0: Colossians chapter 1, we are in verse 10, where basically what we're looking at is uh, the expected results of the prayer of Paul that we have gone through. So verse 10 says, so as, he's, he's been praying for them, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God again as we said before the idea behind this prayer that David that David that uh, Paul has prayed for these believers is he is asking for them to have a greater knowledge and understanding of the Word of God so that their lives will continually be transformed so they will become different uh, this is not just a general prayer where you can't really tell if God is answering the prayer or not. Like sometimes we may pray for someone, which is not necessarily bad, but if we just pray for someone, we say, Lord, I just pray you would bless so-and-so. Well, that's okay, but sometimes, well, how do I know that God's answering that prayer? And I do think it's better, and that's why it's always good as we get to know each other, to pray more specifically for each other. To pray for each other are difficulties. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, it's not that it's a bad thing to pray for each other because of our physical ailments, but we want to make sure that we are consciously fighting against allowing our prayers to be only that, to, to only be concerned about the here and now in the body. So the body's important and we're not saying don't pray for that and we're not saying it's unimportant. And there are times, depending on what's going on, it is actually paramount. You know? So when your family suddenly gets uh, diagnosed with cancer, and at that beginning stage where maybe they've caught the cancer kind of late and there's many things they've got to figure out and we, we, don't, we want god to give the doctors wisdom we do want god to heal them if god would do that um, but there's a lot of things connected with that that we pray for but we don't want it to be limited to that all the time and only there are many other factors going on uh, in the life of that individual and so that's kind of what this prayer has been about so the idea here then as believers is that we want there to be this, in a sense, measurable or visible spiritual growth. Yes, ma'am.
1: That really helps me a lot because I feel like I rush my prayer. The more specific I can be about this will help me be in the prayer
0: longer. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And maybe connect a little better. So that really helps
0: yeah. me a lot. Yeah, and, and when it comes to praying, as we pray specifically for people, don't feel guilty if you can't pray for everybody all the time. Because it's not going to happen. You know, As there's more people we know and more things. So when we say we're going to pray for someone, um, uh, like there are some people I pray for on a regular basis, and that may be once a week. There may be some individuals because it may be some urgency or other things. I may pray for them daily, but that doesn't go on for the rest of my life. Uh, now there are certain people that I do pray for every day. That would be my children, my grandchildren, my wife, and that would be normal. You know, we, that's that's who we're the closest to. We are very concerned about them. So that's not selfish, but it can be if that's the only, the only ones that you pray for. Uh, but there is a great deal to pray for. Yes, Mike.
1: Well, we forget the benefit, of that, how much it benefits us praying to God. We forget that, we think we're doing some kind of service. Not necessarily to God, we don't overtly think that, I think. Mm-hmm. But we think of it as a duty and a heavy chain. And mm-hmm. we know that, you know, the, one of the hardest things to do is read the Bible and pray. And one of the simplest things to do is read the Bible and pray. Yeah. It's a, like a paradox. Mm-hmm. We know what to do, really, most of the time. It's yeah. just the flesh, I guess, is so weak. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to give yourself license to to you know, say, oh, I've got an excuse. But it's just true. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, I don't know if it's the flesh or just our natural rebellious nature. But we don't want God telling us what to do. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Yeah, and we get That changes, though, in time. It does. One, the yeah. thing is, people like me are very impatient. We want to be uh, called the apostle overnight. We don't
0: want
1: to have to go through that. And part of the Bible is just an accumulative effect. It's a, you have to have 15 years to survive one year of turmoil.
0: Remember this. The Paul that we're the most familiar with almost died twice. Yeah. That's the guy we're the most familiar with. So, that's, so. if you want to be Paul, good. Experience death twice <laughs> and go die at from some there.
1: Well, they thought he was dead. Well, he was he was dead. dead.
0: He, yeah, there's, there's some he debate. Was near death, I guess. Some think that he actually died and the Lord raised him. Others think, that was, others think it was near death, but we don't know. But, Where uh, was that at? No, that's the, the, the time that he was stoned. He was left for dead. But the, and so there's a discussion among academics as to what really took place. In what other words, did he die? That would be an axe. Most of it would be an axe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I want to be—I want to be like a microwave dinner. I don't want to be a, a slow roast. I, I want to be a microwave dinner. I want to be in 30 seconds or less. I want to be good to go. My yep. wife puts a roast on for eight, nine hours at <laughs> low even. It's not even on high. Yeah. So I don't have the patience for that. I'm just being, you know, honest.
0: <laughs> so the idea here is, as we covered last week, we want to make sure we have a, a walk that's worthy to be called a Christian Uh, and that the idea behind that is to be Christ-like and and our life reveals uh, being grateful and we're pursuing the same things that that God is a pleasing life is another way to really talk about the same thing a life that's pleasing to God he's the one that we want to please and then we began to talk about growth and the idea behind that is bearing fruit Um, so we started a a small discussion about that because fruits used in different ways uh, in the scripture so Number one, fruit is a byproduct, byproduct of righteousness. So that would be the byproduct of Christ's righteousness in us and a byproduct of, of the righteousness that we practice. Um, so Paul talks about bearing fruit in every good work. And again, the idea of bearing fruit is there, is there is something that is visible to others that does point to God. That's kind of the idea, the general idea. So, as I mentioned last time, when when we're involved in helping to convert an individual to Christ, that points to the grace of God and the power of God in that person's life. Uh, Let me read to you Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So, as we praise the Lord, that's described as fruit here. Um, And, again, what that is, that's a byproduct Of the Lord being reproduced in us our our attitude changes the paradigm that we understand life through changes and we find ourselves more often just giving thanks to God or praising God for what goes on because we're now more aware so nothing is different in a sense maybe the same good things happen to us but we just now know that this is because of God this isn't just some accident or what have you Um, we can thank the Lord for that Uh, giving money uh, we've been talking about that uh, over the past several weeks uh, on Sunday morning. And uh, so our attitude towards money and, and that kind of thing, that's also uh, the result. That would be fruit. Godly living in general is fruit. Um, again, when you look at the book of Hebrews, it tells us that God, God's discipline produces in us the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Uh, so as God continues to work on us and transform us in the image of Christ, Again, that is the fruit. Uh, and remember that's Jesus talked about, the fact that a good tree can be seen by its fruit. You can identify a tree by that. And the idea is, is that we want to live our lives in such a way that what we produce in life, my attitudes, uh, the way I interact with people, all those types of things reveals that uh Christ is in me; that I'm related to Christ. That the kind of thing is what we what we're looking for. And then, along with that, maybe some of the more difficult things uh, that we need to be aware of, and that is having, uh, as s- s- some would call them, holy attitudes—the uh, attitudes that we are to have in life. That's referred to as the fruit of the spirit. You read uh, Galatians 5. Again, remember that that is not that's what you have in Galatians is not the fruits. Right, there's not all these fruits, it's one fruit. And that one fruit, what God produces, that character that God produces in us, uh, is, the, is the working of the Spirit of God in us. Um, so it's not a checklist that you go through and say, okay, I've got that part, that one, but i got to work on these. Now, at the same time, we can use that as a, as a measuring rod as, and be aware of what we do have to work on. But it's not that we're getting one thing settled. We, like, like real fruit normally ripens unevenly, so as we mature in the Lord, we will mature in a sense unevenly. Maybe there will be greater patience than there will be of good works. So or Whatever it happens to be, these dip, we kind of ripen. But the goal is that we want to ripen. We want to mature. And that's the, that's the effects of, of God. And the reason why that, that aspect is important is because some people think that the approach to the Christian life is kind of like getting a self-help book. And going through the various chapters and making the list of what you, of the disciplines you have to to uh, begin to practice so that those things can be uh, brought out in your life but those things are the natural byproduct of you and i spending time with god so it, it is that we are aware of those things but it's not that you diagnose yourself and say well i need more self-control i'm going to work on that now, at the same time, I'm not saying that if you recognize you need more self-control, that's not a bad thing. But this is not where you just depend only on your diagnosing yourself. We, that's, that's why we want to study the whole counsel of God. As we study the, because what happens is this, if, if we lean too much on the way we identify our problems, we tend to approach the Bible like the world does, and we just look at certain verses. We don't look at only certain things, and we ignore the rest, as if, It's unimportant because we don't see its immediate, I guess, need or application to our life right now. And so that's why sometimes people say, well, I don't know why I've got to study about the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It's got nothing to do with my life. Well, of course, right now, you don't think it does. It does. You just don't see it yet. Um, And so that's why you want to study everything that's in the Bible and move along in that way. And then that creates this foundation that enables us to think. Through life the way they're supposed to so he says with that he also then talks about growth uh, when it comes to growth so again the verse reads so walk so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit of good work and increasing in the knowledge of God so this increasing the knowledge of God the way that it is written in the Greek language is this to be done it's a continual thing we're always increasing so Increasing in that way is, is, again, going to be twofold for this, in this sense. Number one, the longer we're walking with the Lord and the more that we have studied Scripture, the more rare it's going to be that you're going to hear something for the first time when you go to Bible study or hear sermons. You'll still hear new things sometimes. But also what happens when we increase in our knowledge is we may hear the same thing, but it's said a different way. So it impacts us differently, or we think about it differently. Uh, so we realize, oh, that applies to my life in, a, in another way than just what I thought. Uh, then along with that, there's a times that we hear things that w- we know them, but they've kind of been maybe put on the back burner, because we're human beings, we can only handle so much. And so the Lord brings certain things back to the forefront uh, for various kinds of reasons. So there's this idea that we want to continue to grow and to mature spiritually, And That's always focused them back on the Word of God. That's why whether someone's been a believer for 30 minutes or for 30 years The Bible is always central to everything that we do You don't find Christians saying when they get older. Well, you know I've been going to church for 40 years. I I think I'm done. I I Know all there is to know Um, So I I think I can just kind of you know cruise on out of here that just doesn't happen number one It's not human nature human nature is always reversed you know you go back backwards we don't want that to happen um but there's but there is uh so we want to make sure that we're committed to this ongoing idea of being in the word and knowing the word and living out the word so increasing the knowledge of god uh it indicates that the means by which our increasing or our growth takes place is going to be scripture it's the knowledge of god that's revealed in his word that is crucial uh, 1 Peter, turn the, if you would, turn to 1 Peter and 2 Peter, they're both together, um, and look at what it says concerning the word. These are very basic verses, very simple. You may have heard them before, um, but they're central uh, to our understanding of the Christian life. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, and let me just go ahead and I'll begin in verse 1. He says, So rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation. So sometimes we need to pay really close attention to the metaphors that the Bible uses. And so here he talks about that, he talks about a newborn infant, and and the idea is how does a newborn infant desire milk? And that is to help us to identify the kind of desire that we should have for Scripture. So if you're ever fed an infant, especially when they're really hungry, when they, when they, when they see the bottle coming or when the nip of that bottle gets close, they sometimes can't get their mouth around it fast enough. I mean, they, they want that and they want it now. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my dad told me a story. He said when I was, when I was born... Um, the I guess doctors go through different phases. And so the doctor was really keen on making sure my parents understood that I should be put on a schedule. And so they told they told the doc the doctor told my mom and dad well at what times I should be fed, how much I should be fed, which I think was only four ounces at a time, and went through all these things. Well my dad said that after a while it became pretty obvious that I didn't like the schedule and that the four ounces of milk was not helpful. So he said finally one evening, he got so frustrated, he told my mom, forget what the doctor said. Fill the bottle all the way up. So they filled the bottle all the way up, and back then that was, you know, the bottles they had were plastic bottles. That was before they even had bags in them to get rid of all the air bubbles. It was just a bottle, and they said they gave me the bottle, and they left the room, before my dad was down the hallway, he said he could hear the bottle being thrown out of the crib and hitting the floor, because I was done. And he said, I slept through the night. And the next point when they got in there, they said the bottle had collapsed, because I just, you know, whatever. And that was the new schedule. Damn, so that's the idea, is that's how we are to desire that. All right, so, that, so it's not necessarily this emotional thing, it's just a commitment. All right, but, but again, we, he wants us to, to visualize that, so we understand the importance. Remember that for an infant, that's the infant's only source of nutrition. Okay, that, that's the singular source. So there's also that same idea there, that the singular source of nutrition for us is going to be the Word of God. That's why it's always the most important thing. Um, and uh, make sure that. And so we want to make sure that we, we kind of have that attitude and, and think through that in that way. Then if you would, flip over to 2 Peter, to chapter 3. 2 Peter, chapter 3. Verses 17 and 18, 18 will be the key verse, beginning in verse 17 of Second Peter 3. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this advance, be on your guard, so that you are not led away by error of lawless people and fall from, your own st- fall from your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So the idea here is, is this is a command, alright, it's an imperative. So remember now, when it comes to the imperatives or the commands of the scripture, it's not necessarily like God is saying, I'm ordering you to do this. But it is like when your father says, like when I was going and my father would say, Bob, take out the trash. He did not say, I command you. He didn't say, I order you. But when he said, take out the trash, That wasn't like I had an option, (laughs) all right? You know, he didn't say, what's your idea? That was not, that's not in that statement, okay? So that's an imperative. So in the Bible, it's the same thing. This is an imperative. and it's for our good. And so he's telling us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So again, to grow in grace, which again is, in that sense, is the sustaining strength of God, to live out the life that God wants us to live. I need to grow in that. How do I do that? Well, that's combined to this in this knowledge of God. And so as I grow in the knowledge of God, that's becoming more familiar with the Bible, understand the Bible, it's it's being able to go beyond just what we would call a simple understanding of the Bible. So it's not that now when I say that, it's not like there's hidden messages in the Bible. We're not that we're not going in that direction. That's the Bible is written in such a way that there's greater depth But it's not like there's some kind of secret code that you have to understand. As we grow and mature in our understanding, we are able to make we are we're able to make better observations of what's being said. We after a while you begin like when you first start reading the Bible and you're a new Christian, you're not asking yourself questions like, I wonder why Jesus said it that way. Why didn't he say this? But as you grow and mature, you pretty soon you become more aware of the fact that you know what? He said certain things in a particular way. He's emphasizing something. He did not say this. There's a reason for that. Uh, you begin to notice the words more clearly because you keep hearing people say, well, this word, this word, this word. And I realize, okay, so he chose his words carefully. In the Bible, words are very important. The words that are chosen by God to use uh, to help us to understand. So we begin to think in those terms. Uh, then when you hear, sometimes in, in the Bible lesson or in the Bible in the sermon, Sometimes, you know, we'll talk about the tense of a verb. That's not so that you know we read some book on Greek. Um, the idea is to help us to have a, maybe uh, a greater understanding. There's a nuance there that now comes out because, again, the Greek language which God used for his word to be proclaimed uh, in the New Testament, those um, tenses are important to helping us to grasp the greatness of the truth. Help us to understand what's being emphasized in that passage or emphasized by that word. And so there's greater growth in that sense. And so now we have a greater grasp for most everyone. And maybe it's true for maybe it's every single believer. When we come to Christ, we understand the gospel to a degree. Most of the time, what people will recognize is when they've been a believer for 10 years, they know the gospel so much better than before there was so much they didn't grasp before they couldn't have in fact sometimes it can be so such a contrast that some people actually wonder I wonder if I got saved back then because I didn't know all this no you didn't but you knew enough you know but but it can cause that because we have a greater depth of knowledge and that's a good thing um, uh, when it comes to that so that's that's this focus here and so when we're praying for others Again, no matter who that individual is, we, we pray that for them. And even an individual who may be very learned in the scripture, I guarantee you that those who know the Bible really well, if you were to say to them, I'm praying that you will grow in your knowledge of scripture, they're not going to be um, upset by that. They're not going to be offended like somehow you're putting them down. Like, what, you're saying I don't know the Bible? They're not thinking that. They are, they are in tune with that. They're like, Yes. That's, that's what I, I want I want people to pray that. Because there's a lot of obstacles um, when it comes to knowing the Word of God and, and um, grasping the Word of God. So, that's, so that is the, uh, the effect of the verse. So I have in your notes there the Amplified translation of verses 9 and 10. So I think sometimes what's good is after you go through and you study, and we've studied those two verses, then when you go back to the Amplified and you read it, the amplification takes on that much greater of meaning because you're now familiar with it so this is what it says in verses 9 and 10 for this reason we also from the day we have heard of it have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you asking that you may be filled with the full deep and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of god and an understanding And discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, and desiring to please him in all good things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing, and increasing in, and by the knowledge of God, with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition." And so I find it for me anyway to be very helpful after you go through a study to go back and and read it in the Amplified. Now the Amplified isn't good for everything, but it's a very good tool uh, to use to sometimes really help to drive home certain points, especially in the epistles. Um, I know it's okay for the Gospels. um, It's okay for the Old Testament. I don't think it's all that helpful. Um, So I'm not saying don't read it, but when it comes to the epistles, I think it's it's uh, stellar, and its ability to help us to grasp these things. Uh, yes.
1: Which is a better translation? Uh, I know like King uh, James is good for certain ways because that's what you hear your whole life, and then uh, uh, Living Translation is good. I mean, what is the most accurate? Or you're not always necessarily going to accurate. You're just getting a fuller.
0: Um, well, depth the accuracy thing is is. Uh, I don't ever
1: want to be off the chart.
0: Yeah. So almost every scholar, or a majority of scholars, would tell you that the most accurate is always the New American Standard. Yeah, it's always good. going to be that. That's
1: easy
0: to understand. Uh, to a degree. It's better so, than King James. Well, it's because you, it's rare. It's more and more rare for people to have read the King James. We don't talk like that. Normally, it's people that are older that, like I was raised with the King James, well, like, and then I switched, was, uh, and then I switched to the New King James later. But my Yeah there's something like that. So the, so the New America Standard is the most accurate but that doesn't mean that when we talk about being the most accurate that doesn't mean that if you have a new, that if you have a new King James oh that's way off. There's, of the good translations there's no good translation that's way off. Uh, that just doesn't exist. Um, and there's no perfect translation. That doesn't exist either. So it, it comes down to personal preference at times. Um, but your best translations are going to be the New America Standard, New King James, Uh, for those who are raised with the King James, the King James is good. Normally you find, though, with the King James, a ton of words have to be explained, just because, again, we don't, our English is different than King James English. Um, The NIV is good. Um, The ESV, English Standard Version, is good. The Christian Standard Version is good. That's the Christian Standard Version. Yeah, they changed their name. So those, those are the best. After that, um, there's varying views. Uh, you know, like when it comes to, like for example, the living, people ask about the Living Bible. Well, okay, that's not a very good translation. Is that marketing scheme? Huh? Is
1: marketing scheme? like you're getting more fuller
0: explanation? No, it's because it's not written that way. It's written more simply. It actually started out with a guy translating the Bible for his kids. I um, got and then it, it, he ended up doing the whole Bible. Now, I would say that if English is somebody's third language, that can be a good one for them to read, especially for the Old Testament. Uh, so it has its place. It's a good one to read to, to kids, when you, especially if you're in the Old Testament, because it reads smoother, like stories should be read. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. But, but now, this is personal, but if I was to buy my child a Bible, even a young child, I'm not buying a living Bible. Because I don't want them thinking that... I don't want them thinking that that's a good translation because it's not. Well, it's just not a good translation for that. That's all. Um, Well, I just don't want to use the accurate word because then people get a hissy fit and they, they start arguing about all kinds of things. It's just not the best to convey the truth of what's being said. That's all. Maybe. I don't think I would ever use that illustration. But yeah, I mean... You know so because you know there's 28 29 30 different translations that are out there there's different reasons for them um there's there are some that are bad in the sense that they can be misleading uh, the worst would be the tniv most evangelical churches don't have that thank goodness but the problem with the tniv is that the letters are so similar to the NIV, that if you send someone to a bookstore, they can buy the wrong one. The TNIV is one where they take out all the gender references. And so that can be very problematic. Uh, so you just have to be, so, but there's several translations to choose from that are good. The main thing is, I think, is that when a person finds one that, that they like, they need to stick with it, primarily. So, so that there's, so they, it helps their memory when they think about Bible verses. Uh, that's where I can, I, if, if you ever notice this, if I'm, I'm preaching out of the English version and sometimes if I quote a Bible verse, I'm quoting it in the New King James because that's what I learned. <laughs> People go, wait, but my Bible doesn't say that. Well, it's because it's, you know, yeah. Well, the, the bottom line is, is God refers to himself in the masculine, so that's just that settles the issue. I don't he's just influenced by the world and you know, Well, you already said that he doesn't take the Bible seriously. He, so. thinks it's not true. he thinks it's influenced by man. Right. He doesn't believe God has the power to make it perfect. Uh, right. Perfect. So there's no there's no, there's no Yeah, you're not going to have that. Yep. uh, All right, verse 11. Uh, He continues dealing with um, you know what he's been praying for for them and what he wants to see happen, and so he continues by saying, "May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy." So he wants them to be strengthened. What does he mean by that? Well. When he asks for them or when he wants to see them strengthened, that means that that indicates that believers are to be continuously strengthened. Uh, and this strengthening comes from outside of ourselves. So you get that. I mentioned before about the tenses in the verbs of the Greek language. So the word strength there, may you be strengthened, strengthened is in the present tense, which indicates that this is something that's to be done continuously for the rest of our lives. Number two It's what they call, it's in the passive voice, and that indicates that the strengthening comes from outside of you or an outside source, and that would be the Holy Spirit. All right, so sometimes those tenses can really help us, and so, and there are, you don't even have to know Greek to get all that. There are several books that will help explain that if you want to get into all that kind of thing. Um, But again, if you don't, and you want to only go by the English, most of the time the context can guide you well enough that you would get what you need to get out of the Bible. But, this, but there, again, there's this idea that Paul, as he prays for them, he wants to see that these believers are continually strengthened and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And the reason, again, for that is because we can be easily led astray. And so we, we need to be, you know, the spiritual warfare that we are involved in is a continuous thing and will last the whole time that we are here in this body on this earth the way that it is. And so this is why we want to make sure that we're praying this uh, for these individuals. We want to see this happen. So again, this power that God has for us is available to everyone who's a believer. It's available to those who are filled with the knowledge of God's word. So again, that's why we spend time in the word of God. That's the source of this power. The the spirit of God that lives in us uses the word of God to strengthen us, to encourage us, to help us to grow. And so that's, you know, so sometimes, you know, you can't... you probably shouldn't always correct people when they say things the wrong way, but you need to be aware of things. So sometimes an individuals say, well, you know, uh, um, I, I try to make sure that I listen to the voice of God every day. That's a very loaded statement, and that, and can be very wrong, because what does the person mean when they say, I try to listen to the voice of God every day? Often, what they mean by that is, whatever idea comes to their mind they believe that's the voice of god that isn't god speaks to us through his word that's why we spend time in the word
1: um
0: yeah and we want well we want our conscience to be influenced by the word but for most those individuals they're normally not in the word enough for that even to be happening there may be bits and pieces of the word um because a lot of times even in churches where they may not teach as well the bible still use the bible but they can end up either misusing the bible or the understanding of those that are there remains shallow not necessarily wrong it's just not enough kind of a thing so they can be easily misled so we do want to be individuals who listen for god every day but i'm not listening for his voice in the sense of listening you know can i can i hear something whether it's audible or or just in my head it is spending time in the word And so we really can't uh, emphasize that too much. In fact, some individuals, what they are worried about when it comes to the way we live as Christians is they become concerned that we might begin to idolize the Bible. And we do want to make sure we're careful of that. But the word of God really is, it's the words that came from the mouth of God. So that's why it is of great importance. It's not, so when people say, well, you know, it's just a bunch of things that men wrote. No, it's not. God used men. But this is what God wanted to be said and what God preserved for you and for me to read. Yes.
1: Um, what do you mean by the idol of the Bible?
0: What does that mean? Uh, that when people begin to, to worship the Bible. So, for example, uh, that can lead to superstition, such oh, as, okay. well, I don't ever put my Bible on the floor. Okay. That means nothing. But there are people who make a big deal out of that. Well, i um, you can't put nothing on the Bible. Yeah, that's a superstition. Yeah, you can put stuff on your Bible. But my grandma said, yeah. I know.
1: That's <laughs> She will come back to heaven. Yeah. Come back to heaven and
0: you. Well, that from the Word of God, I know she won't do. So I'm not worried about it, right? Okay. So, um, also, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Bible, remember this: this is not like you read the Bible and you get fueled up and then you take off and do your own thing the idea is that, we're, that we want the Word of God to be the gasoline in our engine. So I don't get filled up and just go. The idea is that I'm working in conjunction with what the Word of God says, with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a, a you know, I get, I, get my, I get energized and then I'm off to the races kind of a thing. It's, it's not that um, that he's talking about. Again, the goal is for there to be growth and maturity. And that comes from both, again, the knowledge and then yielding to the Word of God and what it says. And, and then uh, that also gets into... I haven't used that word and we haven't come across that word uh, when we talk about meditating on Scripture. But meditating on Scripture is really very important. Uh, and all that simply is meaning is that you're just mulling it over in your mind. That's all that it means. Um, and you're thinking about what it means in the sense of A, what does it mean in context and then what does it mean in my life. So not not it's not what does it mean to me, necessarily, but... In trying to apply it so that I can, you know, live that out, um, and and again, that's why being in Bible study and listening to sermons helps because normally what should be happening is is the individual who's teaching is interacting with the Word when they study, and then interacting with the Word when they're teaching. All right. So what I so what I try to make sure we're doing like tonight is, no matter what kind of issue we get off on, the goal is to always make sure that we're where everything is coming out from scripture. That that the word of God is weaved and out. So it's not where we talk about a subject and sprinkle in some Bible verses. That may or may not have something to do with it. Everything's coming out of, of what the scripture says. So when we stop and say, okay, here's this word, this is what the word means, here's the tense. Then we build from that. But again, we're not just building on just the definition alone. It is we have this definition now looking at this verse in context, what is this saying? And then kind of developing that. And that's the idea uh, that we want to do with with the scripture. Um, So that's strength. Then he says here, um, according to his glorious might, uh, uh, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. So the idea here for growth and maturity is also that we'll be able to endure. Uh, That would be, another word might be steadfastness. That means that 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 person is able to abide under... uh, the face of trials, that were that were able to remain stable uh, in the face of temptations and persecutions. So patience always in the Bible, when the word patience is used, the emphasis there is always going to be the character of the individual remaining the same. All right, the, the, that's what endurance is—is is that you are you remain that the same. So if you think about a, a, an athlete who's running a long race, if they have endurance. What we're really saying is, is that man's body functions the same way at the beginning of the race and functions the same way at mile 15. All right, if he's falling apart at mile 15, he doesn't have endurance because his body's falling apart. I don't know if you've ever seen videos of people who do the triathlons, which is already nuts, but the last thing they do is a marathon. And you'll see every now and then when these individuals get to a state when their body is beginning to shut down and they they can't they, they look like they're completely drunk all right but and they're super weak and they're just they're just they're falling all the day. they literally have no control all right now, there's a lot of reasons for that but at that point endurance is gone <laughs> all right so like so late. that's so what was that it's like it's too late oh, well yeah by, by that point it is by the you yeah by time realize you're So, in your notes, uh, the word hupomone, that is the Greek word for endurance. Um, And what that word means in the Greek language is, uh, it's the idea of remaining under some discipline. That's where you subject yourself to something which demands the acquiescence of the will to something against uh, which one would naturally rebel. So, endurance here is, I am submitting myself to the word of God. To the will of God, and I'm remaining disciplined in that despite persecution, despite um, obstacles that come my way, and even though in my nature I would naturally give up or give in, I remain disciplined in submission to what God has said. Okay, that's the kind of strength or endurance. That's it, that's built through living out the Word of God. It's through the, our experience of that. So there are many times, uh, in fact, maybe it's always, as we endure different kinds of struggles in life, not only is the way we endure at that moment in time important, but it's always also preparing us for the next one. Because we will will be stronger for the next one. And the idea behind that would be simply this. So you get to a point in your life where you go through some great trial. So because you've been through all the others, you now have a history of how God has come through. You, you you've experienced God's faithfulness. You've experienced uh, the kinds of things that God does with whatever whatever kind of trial you're going through. So you you've experienced what the Bible talks about, and so that then encourages me to continue to remain what faithful to God, um, to where even though you still may be tempted to give in or tempted to. Uh, Maybe even curse God because whatever's going on is kind of like the why me kind of thing. You don't go there because you you have a greater understanding. That's what that endurance is. So that's what this is talking about. So it's a word where endurance is not necessarily a gift that's just given to you. It is something that is developed in you by God through hardships. Right, so again, same way that it, whether an individual is trying to achieve something intellectually or physically, it's the hardship of studying or training that enables you to move forward to be able to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. Yes, Mike. Well, it's kind of like uh,
1: trial by fire. I mean, a lot of times you remember things you learned when you had to because you had Mm -hmm. and especially with somebody else you forget what they've been through because you can't relate you can't relate to having a baby because you've never had a baby I I can't relate to the pain of a kidney stone because I've never had a kidney stone no matter what I try to understand I won't be able to grasp that does that make sense?
0: yep Um, so the picture then here that he's trying to draw for us is where you have the ability again in the midst of this difficulty to look forward to focus beyond the current pressure. Uh, in the Gospels, it says, uh, well, actually in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So when Jesus went through that, the idea is, is that he um, was looking to what is going to accomplish. You know, that that's the that's the thing that he was able to get to get him through that. So patience, which is a, a word that's very closely associated with endurance, um, and let's see, where we, uh, where did it go? Oh, there it is. Um, he says, for all, so he ends verse 11, for all endurance and patience with joy. So patience and endurance, even though they're very close uh, in their uh, definitions, both words are used um, for a reason. When it comes to patience, um, it's the idea where the individual, I guess we could say it's dealing more with our emotions It would be the opposite of someone who's short-tempered. We don't really say someone is long-tempered, but that would be the kind of the idea. In other words, that that you're able to hold out um, before you give in to your passion, whatever, good or bad. The idea is again that there's this ability to wait. There's this inner strength um, that is there. Um, It would be a state of emotional calm or quietness uh, in the face of provocation. Um, So, an example of that. There's all kinds of ways to to talk about that. So, one night, I met a couple of ladies in the church that were working late, and when they got done and they were going to go home, there was this guy that was in the parking lot, and he was kind of, he was high on something, and he was very agitated. So, they were kind of nervous. So, I came over, and uh, he was, I mean, he was just going off, screaming and yelling and cussing, and he, Came right up to me, and he was like, he wanted to fight me, and he wanted to fight God. And he's just going through all this stuff. And so I'm just, you know, kind of standing there waiting for him to, to finish. And um, I knew that if he wanted to hit me, he could. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to hit him first. Now, I would have hit him <laughs> if he hit me. But, but, but it was one of those situations where you, you, you can't do it first. But that wasn't my goal. My goal was this whole thing to, to, to you know, kind of be resolved without happening. So, even though he's going through all this stuff, I know many people who would say, Man, when he, if, if I was by a guy that way and he's using that kind of language, man, I couldn't control myself. I, I would just, they would, in other words, the anger would stir up. When he started swearing and using God's name in vain, that anger would stir up and they would want to do whatever. Uh, so, for whatever reason, I've always been a little, I've always been fairly calm. Um, and that's God's grace. But the idea is, is that those things need to enter into my mind. The goal was, just, I want this guy. Eventually, he's going to run out of energy. I hope. Um, it took a while. But um, the idea is that, that you, you have this patience in this situation, and so your demeanor doesn't change. Your emotions don't take over. You're able to to, to take measured steps to do what is right or to do what's necessary. And the idea is that you want, you want to be able to have that in every single situation. You actually want people sometimes to say to you, I don't see how you can stay so calm. And now you don't want people to say that to you so that it'll feed your ego. But you want people to say that because A, that means that you can tell that they see something, and now that gives you an opportunity to tell them why you're able to do that. Right? I'm able to do that because I, I know God. I've seen how God works in these situations. I know how God answers prayer. Okay, so you're, you're, that, that is giving praise and glory to God by telling that individual that whatever they've seen in you, you are now attributing to, not your greatness, none of that, just well, it's because of God. It's because I know these things. You're not saying, I know so much about God, that's why I'm, no, that's not what you're doing. You're just saying, this is, this is because of God. This is what I understand about God. This is what I know about God. And that gives us opportunity to say good things about God. It may impact your life immediately. It may impact your life in the future. Not at all. doesn't matter. I'm doing the right thing by pointing at this because of God. But we will make greater progress in trying to help individuals if we are patient and have endurance. Always. You scream and yell at somebody, you might make a point, but you're not going to get very far with them when it comes to the gospel because of all they know you screamed and yelled at them. Uh, so, so that, that is the, and we want to make sure that we are so concerned about them and their situation before the Lord that you're willing to put up with all of these different things as a result to get to the real need, to get to what's really important, to get them to a point to where that they will listen to you. Even, even if you have to say to them, say, well, I've listened to you for the past 10 minutes, so I would like you to listen to me for three minutes. Most times the pre- people say, well, okay, because you have been listening to them for 10 minutes or whatever. You're willing to endure to suffering for a short time to save that a long Well, yeah, always. So the idea here is, uh, so, it's a, it, so this word patience means that you have a long endurance that does not retaliate. Um, so patience is a virtue, that is true, hmm. and it carries a lot of weight, both W-E-I-G-H-T and W-A-I-T. Uh, a lot of waiting, um, but again, that's just—it's a good thing—and we're able to do so again because we have—that's what that is—that's spiritual understanding. We have a view; uh, uh, we are able to evaluate the situation based on what Scripture says about that situation, about people, about what's going on—that kind of thing. So, looking at again, I think I have this in your notes as well. So, Colossians uh, one verses—we haven't covered twelve yet, but eleven and twelve in the Amplified. It says, we pray, now the reason why that's in brackets there is because this is always referring back to this prayer of of Paul. So that's just a reminder there of, of the context. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance and forbearance with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share uh, the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. Uh, one of the things that's important about this whole aspect here, that, you know, as he describes this, this Christ, the, the Christian here that, that he's praying for, and we're recognizing ways to wh- how we should be as far as wanting to mature as believers and what would we be like if we mature as believers. A lot of individuals who serve as missionaries, um, whether it's in other culture, cultures or what have you, these are the kinds of traits that are the most important uh, for them to be able to um, gain an opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with others, is, is patience with these individuals, with circumstances, that kind of thing. Um, and that's, and we, we need to recognize that there's a great importance with that, uh, is, is having that kind of patience uh, with people. Missionaries are, most of the stories we have come out of a lot of places where missionaries went to other countries where they were like the first missionaries and they were trying to learn different cultures and different things and so they had to learn learn a lot of patience um, because there's things you just don't understand. People have a whole new way of living um, and they needed needed to wait also so they could gain a better understanding so they could explain the gospel in such a way that people will understand it. Um, And so there'll be times, I do believe this, that In your job or whatever situation you find yourself in that there'll be times that the Lord will allow you uh, to go through some very trying situations with certain people on purpose so that you will be forced to exercise endurance and patience so the other individual sees that you're exercising endurance and patience so that there will be time in the future when you have the opportunity to be able to speak to them, and they will actually give you the time of day because you have been patient when, in many cases, no one else will be. be you know, maybe Their boss or your boss, their boss may not put up with that for a minute, and you're willing to put up with it. Whether, you know, like it may be the person is constantly complaining or constantly complaining about something in their life, and it may really get on your nerves. And for whatever reason, they're coming to you, probably because you're willing to listen, and we're like, how do I get out of this? Huh. But that's the wrong way to think, maybe. Maybe it's, it, maybe it's a prayer of, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help me to endure this for a while. And, you want, and I think what's really important there is to listen very carefully to what they're saying. You do, and you are. You're trying to read in between the lines. Right? Now, sometimes it can be really simple. So let's say I'm talking to a guy and he's complaining about his wife and his marriage all the time. So first obvious thing, He's not happy in his marriage. (laughs) Uh, Observation number two, she probably isn't either. All right? That's okay. I want to hear that. I I, want to be able to take advantage, in a good way, of this situation. So when I explain the gospel, I can touch on those things. And number one would be I would say, and I might, because he may never say anything specific about his marriage. So I may say, well, you haven't said much about your marriage in general, even though he said a lot about his wife, but I do know how impactful a good or a bad marriage can be. I'm coming out of the same book he is, and I'll, and I, and I'll say, I may say something like that, I know a lot of people are fairly unhappy in their marriages. They're not really getting along like they thought they would get along, and as a result, there's frustration and anger. You go through all these things, and they're like, yep, yeah, it's because you've been listening. So they're identifying all you're doing is repeating what they said to you but as you repeat all those things to them you're able to draw them in to where then you can begin to explain how it is that that is a situation why that situation is that way and how christ then meets our needs and the way that happens is it's not let me tell you something buddy if you come to christ gotta fix your wife that's not the message that's not the gospel message the message is is as we begin to deal with all these things, is I want to draw him in, helping him to understand that the only person he can change, or that in this situation is himself, that he's part of the cause of all these things that are going on. His frustration is not only because of what she's doing, but because of this emptiness that's inside of him, this inability to connect. He is probably, even though he may be unaware of it, but he's trying to find ultimate fulfillment in that relationship, and you can't. No human relationship can give that. So, but I want to say that that's what many people do. And they're going to be found in Christ. And so we get to that and explain the gospel to him. And so that's what God's giving you the opportunity for. Uh, I'll tell you this story real quick. When I was uh, the chaplain, at, when I was in the big island of Hawaii, I was the chaplain at both a jail and a prison. And at this prison, um, they, wanted, they, were, they had a week of training for the officers. And the one captain was really big on me taking this training said, okay, it was called crisis intervention. So we had the lectures in the morning and then they, we would kind of do some Aikido in the afternoon. The reason why we did Aikido was the idea was how can you use um, certain moves to diffuse a situation where you have to get involved physically without beating on someone. And so it has to do with wrist locks and different things that you do. That it does use a little bit of pain, but it's so you're not trying to punch guys and whatever. So during that week, every day at lunch, There was this officer of the jail at the prison, and he was a bodybuilder. And we just kind of hit it off, and we just, we had lunch every day together. And so on the last day, we had the test. Uh, His name was John. They said, "Uh, okay, chaplain, uh, you got to do the test as well. So John is going to be the inmate. He's going to attack you, and you have to use such and such and such and such. I said, okay. And I want to do it right. So John comes at me, and I use a technique. Apparently, I used it really well, because when I put him down and cuffed him, uh, they said Chapman, that was really great, uncuff him, we'll do the next one. I uncuffed him, and he didn't move. And so then, I kind of softly kicked him, I said, John, get up, and there was this, uh! (laughs) So the, the, the captain and the sergeant leapt over the table, and came over, and they began to roll him over, and he's clutching his chest, and he can't breathe. And uh, so they had to call the ambulance. And um, what happened was, is when I put him on the ground, I ended up, hit, the force was so great that his chest muscles had ripped out of, his, out of his sternum. The great thing about that was he and his wife were going through a real hard time. And now, because of this injury, he was on paid leave for 12 weeks. And he and I talked off and on during that time, and his marriage was salvaged, and they started going to church, and it was great. It was fantastic. Now I didn't know all that was going to happen, and I didn't hurt him on purpose. All right? That was just all in the plan of God. But listen to him every day that week when that took place, and then I, I heard he'd be out for twelve weeks. My first thought was, he's telling me about his marriage and how he thought it was on the rocks. This is awesome. I didn't, tell him about I didn't say that to anybody else because they wouldn't have gotten it. But that's, that's what the Lord did. And then the Lord also used that because when I would have Bible study in the prison, I normally had about five inmates. But after the word got around that the chaplain put a guard out, I had 25. Uh, they all wanted to come. So, so more guys heard the gospel as a result of this injury. So it was really great. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's pray and uh, we'll be done. Father, we thank you again for your grace and kindness and your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for how you do use various circumstances in our lives so that, Father, we can be used for your glory and honor. We do pray that you will help us, Father, really with the most difficult aspects of life, which for most of us is probably endurance and patience. And so, Father, we ask that you would give to us and help us to remind ourselves, to be reminded of your spirit, of the the view that we are to have about life, that we will remain in your word, that, Father, we may grow and mature that father we may have greater endurance and patience and then be in a position to be used by you in the lives of others to encourage them and to help them we know lord that others have been in a situation where because of the patience endurance on their part they've been able to help us and we thank you so father we ask now that you would dismiss us with your blessing that lord that you would keep us safe as we go and that father you would remind us throughout the week of your word that we'd spend time reading and thinking about your word that again, Father, we may grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And we do ask these things in his name. Amen.